Hey everyone, I'm Jackie Harry. Welcome to The Sphere. Sit back and relax. With each podcast, I take you into real, everyday types of conversations that I have with regular people. I invite spirit in, into our sacred space, into our conversation, and you're going to get to see and enjoy and experience live, right alongside me, the types of insights, ahas, and discoveries that naturally happen when spirit is a part of the conversation. Joining me in the sphere today is Jenna Grant of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Jenna is a a mom, a wife, and a 20-year massage veteran. Um, And the thing I think that I find curious about our conversation and about Jenna is that like so many practitioners we we get into an industry be it coaching or massage and over time we begin to develop our own unique flavor of of practicing and this is exactly what has happened with her moving from working with just the physical body to working with the emotional and mental and spiritual layers of the body as well So Jenna and I dive into this conversation around anxiety. This is something that I've been seeing more and more in friends, in family members, in community, uh, with clients. And And this conversation sparked for us last month around what is this? What is going on? And so we talk about the relationship between anxiety and the various levels of the body. Uh, we talk about anxiety and how it's connected to the heart and, and the whole experience of awakening. And she gives some really beautiful uh, just understandings, really grounded down-to-earth understandings about how we can really embrace anxiety in all its forms, all the layers of it to be in communion and connection with our sacred body. So sit back, relax, looking forward to having you dive into the sphere with me today. It has been a while since I've landed in the podcast space. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, it has. I started the podcast last year about this time. It happened suddenly. It came on quickly, and it came together quickly, and um, right as we entered into the ramping up of COVID, uh, it it just all paused, like everything for me paused, and um, so it feels really, you know, when you and I started this conversation, and the podcast came up, I was like, oh, that's interesting, right? Because the podcast has been very silent, and um, so to, to to land here today, and um, I've been out of candles. Candles are really important for me personally, and um, I'm actually I'm going to light this one on. I haven't altered exactly uh, for the podcast. I'll share a picture of it with you afterwards. Um, that has been dedicated to. Uh, podcast that started out of just a desire for conversation, right? I love conversation, like genuinely. And I wanted to do something that was unrelated to business, that I didn't feel like I had to sell anything or, 
you know, it wasn't something I was doing for others, and yet it was. Like, it was just as much for me as it was for other people. And I felt like, you know, like we have these conversations all the time, as you and I began to have, that are just profound, right? Where shit just starts coming through, and you're like, oh, my God, yes, right? (laughs) I I felt like I kept being prompted by spirit that these conversations need to be heard by more than just you two. They need to have a platform so that other people can partake in these conversations because when you and I, and, and not just you and I, when when we land in conversation genuinely, openly, seeking to explore and discuss and honor one another, it's like we create this vortex or this channel for source, spirit, God, whatever you want to say, to speak through us. And, and so then there becomes this like, through you and I in the conversation, there becomes just this unfolding. I never know where it's going to go, right? <laughs> but, so <laughs> there you go. Podcast, the sphere, uh, <sighs> candle has been lit again. I just got more candles yesterday. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be. I'm excited for you. Candles mm. are wonderful. Oh, yeah. So, when I read... Yeah, I went back last week when we were supposed to have this podcast scheduled, and I yeah. reread the message that I wrote to you on Facebook, yeah. and I remember smiling because I was like, I don't even remember writing this. Like, this <laughs> it's so spot on. It's a hundred percent what I think it is. Yeah. I genuinely think that this is everything that is going on in the world. But it was just like, wow. It was almost like these are not my words. Like, where did this come from? (laughs) I'm I'm impressed. Like, I don't know who gave me this message, but, like, good on you because you're good at writing. (laughs) Yeah. And that's exactly what, um, you know, like, over the years, I I wasn't trained. Like, I was brought up very sheltered from everything that, that seems normal to me now. Right. Like I didn't even know half of this stuff. And as I was sitting with when the intuitive things began and then as I began sitting in sessions with clients, I started to notice that there were moments when my voice would change really subtly or when a client would ask and I wouldn't know the answer, but I would just like, I don't know what prompted me to wait, but I would wait. And then all of a sudden this knowing would come. Yes. Right. And and these words would tumble out of my mouth and I'd be like, oh, my God, where did that come from? Right. And so and this is part of it is like we have these conversations. We don't even know where these freaking things come from because it's not from our own experience. Right. And no. Yeah. And we, but these are what the podcast is about, is to bring these things to people so that you and I can just open up space here. And even though we have no idea where we're going, we, we have a jumping off point. I always say we have a jumping off point. And then we just <laughs> let it flow. And it's in the flow that spirit, people's angels, guides, source, whatever you want to say, the universe can come through and bring through the messages that you need to hear, that I need to hear, that others need to hear. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so let's let's uh, see if we can find our way back to that jumping off point and um, just dive in there. I want to say what prompted me. I, I think I reached out to you. Yes, I was seeing this thing around anxiety and overwhelm. I had there was a couple of things that have been happening. 
I had been talking to people, massage therapists in particular, and they were telling me how people were getting on their table and just breaking down, like the the level of overwhelm and anxiety and emotion and feeling like this couldn't be heard. They had nowhere else to share this, that nobody else who would listen or just witness it for them. And um, and then my osteopath went to her and she was talking about anxiety. And I, I think if memory serves me correctly, I had reached out to you knowing that you worked in that field as well. And we're like, have you noticed this? <laughs> so I, will you tell me what you've noticed? Actually, before we even dive into that, will you just let people know, give us a sense of um, your background, where you're from, and what your work is, Jenna. Okay. Um, well, I'm a massage therapist. I grew up in a small town in Saskatchewan and uh, have been a massage therapist over a span of 20 years. I took five years off to raise my kids, but I think it's actually coming up to 21 years. Um, and I just started out with massage therapy, and I just sort of stuck to that for quite a while we would have different modalities modalities that I would um, continue to learn and add to my toolbox or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. along the way and then finally I just got to a point where I was like I feel like I'm ready to accept that I'm a different type of therapist I don't go just by the book I don't go by just the way that we were taught in school and when I was trying to help some of my clients I was noticing that we're more than just a physical body. And so mm. I started to like incorporate different questions, um, probing into like some of their habits, some of their awareness or lack of awareness, talking to them about their emotional state. Um, and I noticed that that really started to change things like became more in tune with their body as well as mine. Mm. And I've always been told I was a different therapist than the usual, but I was often people were having such a good reaction and a long lasting reaction reaction mm-hmm. to their massages. And they were just more light after that they didn't experience yeah. with other therapists. Right. So I just continued to follow what I felt was right. And then I would say probably three, four years ago, I really started to just step into who I am and accept who I am mm-hmm. and bring that into my treatment. And it was very interesting the way that it was received after having years of fear, I think is what I would call it, of not being accepted, of being different, possibly being judged. It was nothing but like open arms, love and acceptance from everyone. And they were just like, this is what I need. This is, this is, you know, like this is my outlet. This has helped me so, so much. And I started to notice that there was a shift in my treatments that it went from people coming in for massages for physical ailments, I have a tension headache, I have a sore back, my shoulders are bugging me, mm-hmm. to being more, oh, I have anxiety, oh, I'm not sleeping at night, oh, I'm really, really stressed. And so I just started mm-hmm. to dive in more and more and more. And it's been an amazing journey to just stop resisting and just let it all be, let it come to you. Yeah. Oh, we I also understand. noticed we all I also noticed that lots of younger people were coming in. So I'm going to say between the ages of 8 and 25 and they were coming mm-hmm. in for emotional reasons. And they're very receptive to be able to be mm-hmm. like say to them, "Oh, 
Well, if you're not sleeping or you're struggling in school and you're struggling with concentration, these are some of the other steps that you could be looking um, and paying attention to that could be indicators for eventually your body manifesting in physical ways because we know that energy, mental and emotional are the first signs of dis-ease within the body before it presents as physical. And uh, I just think that there's so much that is happening in this world over the last few years that people are aware and ready to accept that we are more than what we ever thought we were before. Yeah. I want to just enter in. I want to slow things a little and just enter into that because I feel like um, this is something that you and I know, but a lot of uh, the general population you know, you wouldn't know unless you were in intuitive things or deep in your spiritual growth. When you say that, I forget how you worded it, I want to say spiritual, mental, emotional are the first things that arrive before the physical dis-ease. Will you talk to me about that? What does that mean? Um, I'm trying to think of an example. If a person comes in and they're complaining of shoulder pain, Mm-hmm. Through the tops of their shoulders are really, really sore. I can sort of dissect and go back in a sequence that brings more awareness for that person and their body, their mental and emotional state. So if they come in and they're complaining of shoulder pain, I'll ask them about their job. What do you do for a living? Lots of people say, oh, I work at a desk. I work with a computer. I answer phones. Mm-hmm. Then I'll ask them about maybe their marital status. Do they have kids? You know, is their job stressful? Um, I will ask them about their hobbies, their outlets. How do you relax? Mm-hmm. And this, I think these types of questions makes a person really think about their life and what are some continu- what are some contributing stressors that they may not acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, that awareness. What, what about what is it about the shoulders and the pain in the shoulders that leads you to ask those types of questions, Jenna? Um, I think that that one is encompasses everything. So if a person comes in and they're complaining of shoulder pain, we've already asked all of those questions. Coming to okay, you're actually really stressed out in your relationship, or you're a single mom of three children. Perhaps you're carrying a lot of burden. Perhaps you're carrying a lot of guilt. Perhaps you're carrying a lot of the weight of the world, and that's why your shoulders hurt more than they Mm -hmm. physically hurt. Mm -hmm. We always have emotions tied to all situations. Think of a stressful situation. What do we do? We tense up our arms. We breathe more shallow. We tense up our shoulders. Our posture changes as soon as we're stressed. Mm-hmm. But sometimes our body doesn't let go of that tension, that physical tension within our muscles after the situation. So you could still be holding on. You could still be harboring those experiences, those emotions, that thought, that pattern, those the trauma, everything that is associated with it. Yeah. So I could within a person could come, a person could come in and yeah. A person could come in and just get a nice shoulder rub, but if they aren't aware of, oh, yeah, I've been worrying way too much, the tension is going to come back. But if you have awareness to what it is and you 
give yourself grace and you forgive yourself and you accept yourself for what the situation is that you are going through, that totally, that's a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, I think I, I'm thinking back in my own experiences, you know, to, uh, to, to me, if I were to look to my old self, right, the, my emotions were something that happened very separately or independent yep. of my physical body. Like I had no idea they were connected and I had no idea my thoughts were connected in with that. And I sometimes, you know, teach it like, it, the the most subtle layer is the spiritual layer, the knowing, the awareness. And if we if we ignore that or are unaware of that, it then trickles down into the mental body, and we start having uncomfortable thoughts. And if we ignore those and push those aside, and you know, busy ourselves or numb ourselves to avoid the thoughts, it then trickles down into the emotional body. And if we, you know, often the emotions are like, whoa, holy shit, I don't want to feel that. Right? <laughs> so then we really ramp up our numbing game or our avoidance game. And and then it trickles down into the physical body. And that's when we start to see physical symptoms, like whether it's an ache, a pain, whether it's um, getting sick or whether it's an actual disease, whatever. It's, it's all manifested. It, our, our body is just, I, I say the body is the oracle. Like, we are not the body. The body is our, um, it's the thing that, it's like the computer that pops up the messages that we're supposed to read the messages and understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's the machine. <laughs> it's Absolutely. what we experience through. Yeah. Love, love it. it. Okay, so then take me into, um, take me into anxiety. How do you see anxiety? How do you recognize anxiety in somebody when they when they come on into your office, get onto your table? How does that manifest in the body? I think that that is. I could talk for days and days about anxiety. Um, I think that there is a lot of different symptoms. I think that it can be a lack of awareness, and I think that it can vary person to person. Yeah. I think that it can be from anxiety, some of the signs. Um, it could be shallow breathing. It could be yeah. worrying, excessive worrying. It could be digestive issues, little mm. kids, and a tummy ache. Think of that, mm-hmm. you know, when they're going to go to school and then all of a sudden they're like, Mommy, I have a tummy ache. That's anxiety. If you start to get hot, you start to get dizzy, you start to get sweaty. Those are all the physical symptoms of it. Difference in your heart rate. Your heart rate could be racing a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Or heart palpitations. Absolutely. (laughs) Do you know, I have to tell you this. I I never knew I had anxiety. Okay. That was, there was no awareness of it. It wasn't like, you know, I think when I've, and I've heard this from time to time when I'm speaking with clients and I, you know, will pick up on anxiety in them through, through my body. And then, and there's the odd client who'll be like, anxiety, I don't have anxiety. Okay. (laughs) 
like complete I think we think of anxiety as a very one dimensional thing where anxiety means you can't cope with life. Like you are dysfunctional and that you can't even go out, out of your house or it feels very, you know, that you have a hard time going out in public. I think the reality is that anxiety is a very multi dimensional thing. It's not this or that. It's like all the shades of gray in between the black and the white views on it. And anxiety can show up as just a racing mind, a mind that won't freaking stop going. It can show up as, um, you know, like excessive worrying or, as you say, gut gut troubles. I don't know if people know this, but we actually know through through science that we have, you know, we used to think that everything originated from the brain, and that is not true. The brain is a processing unit within the body. The things like emotion, we pick up on that through um, sensors right in the right in the front, right in the gut. So emotion is something that we that initially we pick up on it as like an um, a type of energy. We take it into the body through the gut. And then we run it through all of our systems and turn it into our own internal language. So we'll feel it as our own emotion. We'll feel it as our own thought. And not, and, and then there's like not even realizing that we're picking up on other people's emotions because it feels like or sounds like our own. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, um, anxiety is something I've seen at, show up in people as colitis as Crohn's yep. and the moment that they begin, do you know, I've worked with people over a course of six months and by the end of that six months, they, they are going off of the medication that they've been on for 20, 30 years. They no longer need to be on it because they're finally acknowledging the emotions that they're picking up on and understanding how to deal with it. Right. Yep. For myself, I had, um, so this is how I would describe it. And I'll, I'll tell you this little story. So, um, I was talking with a friend of mine. This actually just happened for me a few weeks ago, okay? So <laughs> I was talking with a friend of mine, and somehow it come up. I started tar- telling her about these heart palpitations that I have from time to time, but that I used that started when I was in university, okay? So there was one day I went to the U of A in Edmonton, and there was one day in um, one of the buildings. I mean, it was a nut schedule, right? Like I practically had to run from one end of campus to the other uh, to get to classes. And there's a lot of people, a lot going on and, and just and stress, right? But I'd never been taught about stress. I'd never been taught about anxiety, depression. None of these things were even in my vocabulary. So I'm walking through a building and all of a sudden my heart is beating so fast, okay? In that moment, I I was not thinking about anything there was nothing going on I was not freaking out I was not worrying about anything wasn't thinking about anything but all of a sudden my heart is beating so rapidly in my chest that if you look down you could have seen my chest moving right it was moving that fast and causing shortness of breath so I kneeled down on the floor because I can't I'm like I don't know what's happening to me (laughs) so there's to me a panic attack is me running around going holy shit like I can't deal with life and freaking out and right like to me that's a panic attack or oh my god I can't leave my house that's a panic attack not having a heart palpitation in the middle of randomly walking across campus right (laughs) it's there were um, breath exercises heart math it's called that I use that um 
calmed it down. And over the years, as I've become more and more self-aware, the heart palpitations have has stopped or become very, very minimal, right? It's very rare that I experience one anymore. But anyways, I mentioned this to somehow it come up in our conversation. She's like, oh, like panic attacks? And I was like, that's not a panic attack. <laughs> and I, we literally both start howling because I'm like, how am I this far into my own spiritual growth? And I don't even, I don't even know what a panic attack is and don't even realize that for 20 years I've had these panic attacks, right? Like, and then it makes me sit and go like, how many people are having these experiences that don't logically make sense? Like if I was going to have a panic attack, my understanding, my logical understanding of that would be that I'm having like, all these thoughts and these worries and I'm feeling like overwhelmed with life. I was not having that experience. And often when a panic attack happens, I am nowhere near having that experience. Right? Like, And mm-hmm. it, it's something subtle, right? It's yeah. much more subtle. And I, and I wonder how often this is actually happening for people, whether we're talking a panic attack, whether we're talking anxiety and people don't actually know what it means, like the signs and symptoms of the various stages or progressions of anxiety that we don't even know because we haven't been taught. Nope. Like, I think we've got all these conversations that have been going on around mental health for years now, but we think it's happening to somebody else and we're unwilling to acknowledge all the places that it's happening in us and the ways that our body is yelling at us, speaking at us, trying to bring awareness to it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think of the other day I had heartburn and now looking back at it, I'm like, I don't get heartburn. Like, why did I have heartburn? But that probably had something to do with it being my body's way of trying to communicate to me. Listen, you're stressed. You have anxiety. Sit down. Be present. Relax. Breathe. See and right there. The heartburn. I I mean, I don't have, my husband has heartburn, right? I don't ever get heartburn, so I wouldn't have, you know, we always, here's the thing. It's always taught as a physical thing. It's something that's related to what you're eating. And so we go, oh, maybe I need to change my diet. But if we were, if we were allowed to and taught, encouraged to look, okay, this was what it might be in the physical body, but what might it relate to mentally? emotionally, spiritually, so that we could understand it and and not feel like it's happening to us, but maybe so we can begin to understand how it's just our body simply speaking to us. And and in becoming aware of it, we can then shift it and no longer be plagued by heartburn anymore or no longer be plagued by endless thoughts anymore or no longer be plagued by heart palpitations anymore. Yep. That got me thinking. I wonder if ADHD is some, it has to be somehow related to all of this as well. If you think of gut health, if you think of, if you think of ADHD or even autism, and we think we know that gut health is related, we just know if you're, if you're an in tune person, and I think that more and more people are starting to realize that gut health, your diet Mm -hmm. affects everything. I, one of the first things I was, I'm going to tell this story. It's a little personal, but 
I love it. Honestly, I feel like story is how we learn best. I can teach something, but the moment you tell a personal story, people go, oh, I get that, right? Um, I struggled with depression when I was in high school and an early adult and Mm -hmm. into being a mom. And I went through lots of therapy, lots of counseling, lots of of psychologists, psychiatrists. And we would do chronological order of events, of memories that I Mm -hmm. had. Mm -hmm. And after years and years of intense, intense training, um, therapy, reading, self-help, exercises, Mm. Um, the counselor had met with a psychiatrist and he said, Jen, I don't know what to tell you, but we can't really find any reason that you're depressed. Mm. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, I'm still depressed. <laughs> a reason or not. So I started to be like, well, what is contributing? If I haven't had anything in my past, there must be something in my present. Mm. And I noticed that after I would eat my lunch, which was typically a sandwich, I was moody, I was tired, I was exhausted, I was antisocial, zero energy, zero energy is an understatement. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, stop eating the damn sandwiches and see what happens. And I remember it was instant. Like the next day, I was like phoning up friends. Hey, do you want to go out? Do you want to take the kids to a park? Because I didn't feel that heavy brain fog, that heavy cloud over me just because I stopped eating, for example, for me, bread. It zapped me. It made me unable to think, unable to process, unable to feel except for very big negative emotions. And then would affect my body from weight gain to it just went on and on and on. So then I started to do a few more things, watching my diet. Okay, so how did this make me feel? For example, Mm -hmm. Burger King, I love Burger King. I believe that lots of it is an attachment to um, my grandma, her and I used to go out for Mm -hmm. Burger King just Mm -hmm. for, I don't know, a visit and spending time together. Mm -hmm. It makes me angry. It makes me so angry. There is something that is in it that within three bites, it has already affected my digestive system, my nervous system, and my emotions to the point that I could yell at someone. I am so angry. That from interesting. The that food. is really so interesting. I watch the food that I eat and mm-hmm. the emotion that is attached to that or the, the energy mm-hmm. that follows mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And I watch my wheat and gluten intake because it makes me depressed. Yeah, that is interesting. You know, I, I often think, you know, we we want Sometimes I swear we want it to be something bigger than <laughs> Absolutely. I right? don't want to eat my Burger King. I really want do. it to be really fucking dramatic. And, <laughs> I must and have just had a bad day. Right? Sometimes it's just so simple. Like it can be just so simple. And I, I, I've thought about this for ages. And I've actually, you know, in the back of my mind, I've been hoping and, and watching for this to happen here in North America, in Canada. Um, in some European countries, the medical system has a healthy respect for homeopathy, for um, 
herbalism and and for you know like psychic spiritual mental emotional it's all interweaved like they're all interconnected and working together and recommending one another recognizing where you work with the physical body where your expertise in that stops and where you're not getting answers and then understanding where there maybe needs to be a collaboration. Like, you know, maybe there needs to be a collaboration. I've had conversations with my osteopath about this, that she's connected in with doctors who they are frustrated because what she knows as far as injuries relating to ligaments, to tendons and muscles, bones and joints, their training stops. And so they work together to be able to get the best health and wellness for a patient rather than it just being the medical system. And everything outside of that is excluded. And I, and I, and I just think like, where can we begin to look to understand how things are influencing us? And maybe it's simple. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's complex. But oftentimes I, I wonder if there's just a really simple adjustment in something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know that I like I love that thought actually I really do wish that there was more networking and collaboration and more respect or understanding and acceptance exactly what you said I just think it would totally change our health our bodies our our mental health issues Um, The one biggest thing that I do talk a lot about with my clients is teaching them about the vagus nerve. So talking about anxiety, talking about food issues, talking about mood, sleep, and whatever, our body is full of nerves. Like we have Mm -hmm. nerves everywhere. They are like tiny little, obviously we have our, our spinal cord, but then we have these tiny little highways, these tiny little branches of nerves that go all throughout our body. Mm Mm-hmm. The nerves are meant to give feedback either from your brain to your body or from your body to your brain. Mm -hmm. Our society encourages us to live in our head. We aren't supposed to be aware of our body, but our body is naturally supposed to be 80% of the feedback comes from your body and goes to your brain. But we are 80% in our brain, 20% in our body. Yeah, and so it's 20% in our body. I feel like the 20% might be in our emotions, and there's a complete detachment from the body, to be honest. That might be generous, yes. <laughs> but if we are aware of how our body works and the, the point of the and the point of it and how it functions, people can take back their power rather than saying, oh, I'm sick, oh, I need medication, oh, I need to go and see this person, even if for a massage. A person could come in once a month for a massage, and that's great, and I love my clients, but I also want to empower them to be able to help themselves. So I will tell them about this vagus nerve Mm -hmm. because this is the nerve that is associated with anxiety. And this nerve, it starts up in our head. It's our tense cranial nerve. And it goes from our brain stem to behind our ears, down the sides of your neck on both sides, through your chest, and then goes into your abdomen and your organs. So it's like our voice box, that's our larynx, Mm -hmm. to our lungs, our diaphragm, our windpipe, um, our esophagus. It goes into most of our digestive system. So for sure, all of our stomach and then a majority of our intestines, and it's our heart, but it also provides sensory, meaning touch. 
um, to ears, the external part of your of your ear, your ear canal, parts of the throat. So it's like responsible for taste, for swallowing, for your speech, your heart rate, your digestive system, um, breathing, all of it. It is what makes you alive. If we have food, if we have stress, if we have any external influences or factors, I could think of, say, mold or perfumes, toxins, cleaners, some of the chemicals in food, it can affect the functioning of that nerve. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the feedback that we were just talking about, and you have this poor functioning little highway, these little branches of nerves, we are not getting the right reception um, and feedback because it's paralyzed isn't the right word, but it's the only word that I can think of that would give people a visual. So if you yeah, think of everything that I just, everything that I had just said about tasting, swallowing, your speech, your heart rate, your breathing, and all of a sudden that is slowed down or doesn't have the proper feedback, that's not good. We can't be in homeostasis. We can't be in balance. We can't be in optimal health if we have this paralyzed nerve. And so, so that's why is it that affects the vagus nerve? What is Pardon it that me? causes what is it that affects it or causes the vagus nerve to become paralyzed? I think that it can be anything, to be honest, um, that it could be poor functioning. I don't think it ever becomes fully paralyzed because, mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't be able to eat, swallow, breathe or whatever. Mm-hmm. But to have that reduced function, I think that it can be repeated food sensitivities. If you continually mm-hmm. ignore that your body's trying to talk to you to say, Jackie, stop eating craft dinner I don't feel good after Jenna stop eating Burger King you're angry you weren't <laughs> angry before <laughs> it starts it to numb to out absolutely or this makes total sense to me and so there's a couple of things going on for me right I don't know much about the vagus nerve but I tell you what is really curious to me is that how I understand um the uh I would call it the interface between the physical and the spiritual, between the seen and the unseen, is um, is exactly like you've laid out the, the vagus nerve for me. Okay, we have mm-hmm. how how my mentor taught this to me was that there's fast moving information and slow moving in, information, right? Little bits of energy that we pick up on, and the the slow moving is the physical stuff right the touch the smell the the seeing the physical seeing the fast moving is psychic or intuitive information that is all around us all the time and that we take that in through the body and translate it into into our own languaging inside of us so when you talk about it coming up behind the ears okay there there are chakras that that are up behind the ears there's a chakra that is at mm-hmm. the base of the skull and the back of the neck that as we come down right the throat like I just think of you know when we are um, struggling to speak our truth or feeling unheard by somebody else or controlled by somebody else the neck the sides of the neck begin to hurt as you're Absolutely. speaking I'm like oh my god we're talking about the vagus nerve you can literally feel it in your body all of it goes together all of it ties together 
all of it. Wherever we have like those concentrated nerve bundles or wherever we have a thickening in our fascia, which is our connective tissue yeah. of our body, all of that is exactly the exact same points as where our chakras are. Yeah. Anatomy always ties in, is an, anatomy is tying in with the energetic self. Yeah. And going back to like some of the causes of like this vagus nerve. So your, va- your nerves need nourishment. They need vitamins. They need minerals. They need you to be healthy. They need you to not be stressed out all the time. They need amino acids. There's a whole lot that our nerves and our body needs to be properly functioning. Day to day, it's an absolute miracle what our bodies do at every second of every day and night. Mm -hmm. I think that trauma is one of the biggest things for the vagus nerve. I truly do. I think it doesn't matter whether it was mental or emotional, if it was physical abuse. PTSD, I think all of that gets imprinted in our nervous system. I think that past surgeries can affect your vagus nerve. What if you had a heart surgery, but we already know that the vagus nerve affects your heart? Yeah. Stress, high cortisol levels. I mean, that's the society that we live in. High alcohol consumption. It could be genetic. You could learn a whole bunch from your family. You could be born with it. Yeah. Poor sleep, but that also ties into, you know, your high stress. Um, and then, like I had said about um, the excess chemical exposures, um, it could be like perfumes, it could be cleaning, it could be pesticides, it could be mold, anything like that. And I do believe that everything that we've talked about does affect somebody, does affect everybody, even if it's just a point or two. Yeah. Like you had said, you weren't even aware that you had anxiety. We've all heard the yeah. word before, but it has to be, anxiety must be that crippling thing that, that you can't get out of bed and you can't breathe and you're having these yeah. pan attacks and you're sitting yeah. on the floor rocking. But it's not the day-to-day of being OCD and controlling and moody and we don't think about those things. Yeah, absolutely. The um, Everything's been made into a duality, either or. Either you're anxious or you're not and completely ignoring the multidimensional nature of it. Pausing here in the midst of our conversation to share with you updates coming up in the Soul Spa this month. Uh, Friday, November 5th, during the Salwin Portal, which runs from October 31st to November 6th, two other intuitives, healers, shamans, and I will be gathering to host a free online event. It is the Salwin Online Festival. We've got three workshops going on that day. You jump into uh, the Soul Spa for more details on that and to sign up or reach out to me through the podcast here. Also coming up this next month, um, I am bringing together a 21 days to ease how to detox yourself of anxiety and ignite your thriving in your life. I'm going to be sharing within this mini course um, all the tools that have supported me physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, so that you no longer feel a victim to anxiety, that you can get a handle on life and feel like you are thriving in it. So details are coming out for that. Uh, You can reach out to me as well to sign up for that. Um, Leaving those details with you and returning us into our conversation with Jenna Grant. You know, when you were saying, I, w- I want to come go back and just touch on this because I keep being prompted about numbness and how that comes about. You were talking about may, that there, um, 
the possibility of the vagus nerve becoming numb after repeated exposure that it just kind of taps out. And <clears throat> I see this over and over again, you know, as I, in my own experiences and in others that, you know, when we are um, exposed to something, the sensitivity is to it is is very high, right? But mm-hmm. as we become more and more exposed to it, the sensitivity drops off. Like I think I can think of this in so many ways. One, um, I took my son who's about to go for his driver's license um, to a small city to Camrose the other day and we were driving and he was absolutely, it was fascinating for me. He was absolutely overwhelmed by the busyness of it. Okay. So you take my small town of Viking, which there's probably two <laughs> cars on the road with you at the same time. There's no lights. There's not multiple <laughs> lanes. Right? There aren't cars driving everywhere at Mock Chicken, right? There aren't stores everywhere. It's just, it's very quiet and still. So then I take him to Camrose and there are traffic lights, there are multiple lanes, there are different styles of turning lanes, there are different styles of turning lights, right? Like, and he was just absolutely, I watched him with just fascination at how overwhelmed he was by all of this. And I really had to keep talking to him to make sure that he was paying attention to the, you know, to the light changing in front of us because there was so much going on for him. So you think of this, and I was thinking of this for myself and going like, I don't even, like I've got music playing and I'm having a conversation and I'm driving and I'm not even thinking about driving and yet I'm doing it safely. This is like the prime example of what something like the vagus nerve would be like, right? Or if I were to take this on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, I'm reading um, Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning right now. Don't even ask me how I'm reading it because I can't even, I, torture bothers me so bad. Okay, Viktor Frankl, for those who don't know, um, uh, is a survivor of Auschwitz. And he talks about, it's fascinating in there. He, he describes three stages of going into a concentration camp. And the, and the three stages literally walk you through a progression of how you, of how you're absolutely overwhelmed, incredible sensitivity to the brutality and the, the malnourishment and the beatings that are, that are going on and the deaths, right? And just the lack of compassion for people. And then after, you know, you get through that first stage and I can't remember what the second stage was in the third, but essentially he came to a point where it's not like where you just, you watch it and it doesn't even affect you anymore. You become so numbed out and it's the self-preservation, self-protecting thing. And I think, you know, with something like the vagus nerve, when we have been specifically for people who are really empathic and sensitive to other people's emotions, intentions, uh, harshness in their energy, like their aggressiveness or whatever that might be. If you've grown up in, in a home where, you know, even if you have a great home, if your parent, if one of your parents is um, highly charged at certain times, maybe yelling and freaking out and then good most of the time, you will become hypersensitized to that crazy emotion and you'll be able to sense it way more, but then your whole body starts to, um, you know, like you, you can't live like that in hypersensitivity. It's like hyper stress. And so you start to numb out and detach from sensations in the body. And I, as you were talking about the vagus nerve, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can see this in so many ways. It's important for people to understand how the body, the mind, the emotions numb out and go offline. Like they shut down when we're unwilling 
to support and nourish them through and understand, you know, find understanding or support, whatever that might be in the middle of these experiences. I agree. The body's ability to adapt is incredible. Yeah. But it's not always, it's not always a good thing though either, right? Because like you said, you can become (laughs) desensitized to it to be like, oh yeah, this is our new normal. And you just continue on. I've said to so many people, so many of my clients, when they'll be like, why am I having anxiety? Like I'll go and have a, a soak in the tub, but I still have anxiety after. Yeah. We are not the same people that we were in 2020. We are not the same person that we were at the beginning of 2021 or even six months ago or even three months ago. We yeah. have changed. We have evolved. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember that if we know that we are changing, our self-care also has to change yeah. with yeah. that. So maybe you have to have a shower, but maybe you have to have a bath before in the morning instead of at night. Maybe you need to have mm-hmm. more water. There has to be different things, ways to nourish and give back to your body because you are not mm-hmm. the same person. So you can cannot continue to expect that the same self-care that you have done since you were 17 years old is going yeah. to work for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. But a lot of people haven't acknowledged that they are a different person. Mm-hmm. now than what they were two years, three years, ten years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's something as as we evolve and change, that our self-care has to evolve and change. I think one thing that I've noticed for myself specifically over the last year, uh, might be just over a year, is that my self-care practices um, which were solid, which landed me in a place of internal stillness. Like I just didn't have anxiety, worry. I was in complete uh, mastery of my body and my experience. When I came to last summer, that started to change and I started to have moments of anxiety and I was like, what the hell is that? Like what's going on, right? And then I'd be looking around going like, but all my self-care practices are still here and I was finding that they weren't touching it. And mm-hmm. so then I began training and looking for other things that would support, that I could then support myself on another level. And this is what I've come to understand is that as we become aware of the more subtle layers, right? I think that we often start by working on the physical body And then we become aware of the emotional body, right? We heal the physical body, and then we start to become aware of the connection between the emotions and the physical. So we start to work with the emotional. And and there has to be a self-care practice that touches the emotions that isn't just for the physical. And then we start to become aware of the mental. And then there has to be self-care practices that nurture the mental body of self. And then we get to this really subtle place of, spiritual. And there has to be practices. This is probably the most important point that I discovered was that I my practices, although they were beautiful, consistent, really nurturing, they created this place of stillness for me consistently over a period of years, many years, that when I began touching into a much deeper layer of self, that those those practices didn't even touch that and I had to ramp up what I was doing like in it's a completely different type of self-care that you use for the spirit absolutely 
I think that lots of people, when they think of self-care, they think of the physical. Go and have a yeah. bath. Yeah. Go and have a shower. Go yeah. on a walk. Go have a massage. They don't think of the mental. They don't think of the emotional. They definitely mm-hmm. do not think of the spiritual because we've always had it such a disconnect. Our society encourages us to be disconnected spiritually. Mm-hmm. But I also think that there's social. And I think that our social is changing and our pandemic does not help things. But I do think that it's very important to find your different groups, to match your different interests, to match your needs and to Mm -hmm. accept. I'm trying to think of how to say this. It doesn't always have to be in person. There is still value to a phone call. There still is value to social media. Mm -hmm. But you have to change it as you need. So lots of people will be very condescending to social media, but that's such a victimhood mm-hmm. stance. Then mm-hmm. change your social media, have more positive, have more inspirational feeds that'll pop up so that you do enjoy it because computers, cell phones, laptops, social media is a big part of yeah. our world. So Absolutely. you can sit there and be frustrated and down about it and feed into the negativity and continue to cloud your mind stuff your head or you can do it in a more productive healthy calming in a in a way that makes it more you more present and i also am finding a lot of people are more sensory they need more sensory self-care so you have to nourish your senses so you whether it's pick whichever one is your favorite it might be smell it might be sight it might be sound and music think of you starting your you were so excited about your candles before we did the podcast right and it is so wonderful because it's also nourishing the sensory side of you which also goes back to vagus nerve yeah right i don't think that self-care is just physical anymore i think we have evolved past the point of it just being we are simple little programmed physical beings yeah, <laughs> way more, way more yeah. than just that. Yes. Jenna, what do you think it is about the time that we're living in that has heightened or brought forward so much anxiety for people? I think that that's, there's a lot to it. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of us have been disconnected for so long and we've ignored our bodies to the point that it's not going to continue to be shut down. And I believe that when we have that a gap between who we are supposed to be and what we are trying to be, I think that that causes anxiety. I think that our younger people, I don't even know if I could attach an age to it because Age is just a number. I know some people that are 30 years old and they're still young. I know some people that are 40 or 50 and they're still young. Yeah. But I feel like there is a group of people. I feel like there's a, a generations of people that are coming up and they're here for change. They don't mm-hmm. want to be silent. They don't want to follow. They want to... I, th- I think that all of us can agree that the world's not going so well. Like we're out of balance. Something needs to yeah. change. The direction mm-hmm. that we were going in wasn't great. It just was not working. Yeah. yeah. And I think that a lot of people have enough worth 
and have trusted their intuition or trusted their empathy and just have so much unconditional love that they know that they can make an influence. And I think that they're here for change. They're here to help. And I think that there's no stopping it. I think we're going to continue to have compassion and empathy and awareness and paying attention to the people that we love and supportive of of everyone and just have a higher perspective of our life as we continue to love, nourish ourselves, believe in ourselves, mm-hmm. trust in ourselves. And I think that that's a huge influence for a lot of the shift that is happening. But when we get out of sync, when we are not grounded, when we are not connected, I do think that anxiety can happen. Mm-hmm. And perhaps social media, uh, research, books, the internet, everything is so readily available to us that I think the awareness has really helped too. It's accepted. We can talk about it. It's okay for you to share that you had your heart palpitations as you were running across campus. I don't know if we did know about that, that it was okay to share 15 years ago or even 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think in the sharing, it normalizes things for people and helps people know that, you know, I mean, uh, I think it's really easy to look at somebody who's um, highly trained and lots of spiritual experience and think that um, they're not human anymore, right? <laughs> that, they, that they don't, I, I don't mean not human, but not human in the sense that you, you suddenly have no problems or challenges or struggles in life. And, and to me, that is just, that's an archaic way of, of viewing our existence. We are both divine and human. And, and because of that, because we are seeking to embody as heaven on earth, we, you know, like there's, there's no amount of wisdom that escapes that that offers us a free pass out of our humanity and our humanity is emotions our humanity is mental our humanity is the physical mm-hmm. body and can we balance that out and come to this place of relative harmony i i believe we can but the, mm-hmm. it doesn't excuse us from being human either and i think the more that we share from a really heart-centered place from being vulnerable, from being real, from sharing our humanity, that it suddenly offers so much permission for others to to recognize and be okay with their own humanity. I think that it's normal for generations to shift. I mean, I am not the same as my parents, but my parents are not the same as their parents were. Yeah. I think it's normal for society, the world, our beliefs, our awareness, everything, our food, everything to shift. Maybe mm. it's not perhaps quite on the mark of generational but there's always going to be shifts in the world there always has been and I think that if I think of what you just said I believe that we are shifting into more feminine nurturing um, energy um, behaviors more than we were in the past perhaps it was a little bit more masculine then Um, so I feel like people are just a little bit just a little bit (laughs) I feel like we're no. all the way in our masculine. <laughs> I know I was all the way in our masculine, right? Out of balance yeah. masculine. Uh, yeah. Um, out of curiosity, yeah. I, I don't know, maybe this could be a future one to discuss, but 
are there things, if you think from a chakra base, from an energy-based uh, perspective, are there things that you suggest for people to be mindful, to pull back in and to stop or, or help alleviate some of the anxiety? I'm curious what your suggestions would be versus um, my suggestions as, you know, a massage therapist and having yeah. some of the anatomy and the physiology and the science to to back what they suggest. Yeah. I love that you asked that because the thing that really sits with me is how I see the world right now is that we are going through a massive awakening of the heart chakra. And Woo-hoo. the heart chakra <laughs> symptom is anxiety yeah. and it, it, yeah. it's like so for people if you were to move if you were to wake we awaken upwards to land in the heart and then we pulse out from the heart in all directions is what how we're meant to live from right so we're, we're not leaving our humanity behind we're not going up and, no. and leaving our humanity behind we're not awakening or activating a chakra and then it's done that is so false Okay, there's like this, it it awakens in layers and activates in layers to evolve into this greater and greater and grander experience and understanding of self and others and life. And so one of the, we've been, we are shifting collectively from the solar plexus, which is all about confidence, power. It often shows up as control over others or being submissive and apologetic to others. We're shifting upwards out of that into the heart chakra. And when we live from the heart, when our heart chakra begins to activate, one of the very first things that happens is anxiety. The heart is all about seeing um, self and others like the truth underneath what we think is the truth. And when we see the reality of what is true for us, it often hits us in a really like, holy shit way. Like that's awful. It's awful and often our experience to it. Or we like we're being asked to accept somebody who we do not agree with and just be okay with that. Like, I respect that that's your opinion. This is mine and we can still both love each other. And it's okay that you like coffee and I like tea. Like who cares? It's okay then. You believe in being vaccinated and I don't. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Right? Do what's right. They'll be friends. Yeah. So the the symptom of anxiety with a heart chakra is, um, uh, to me, probably the most prominent symptom of heart chakra awakening. And it's rampant in everybody around me and including me. Um, I've also been through that. Okay. So... What I have noticed, um, I'm just reflecting on your question of what I'd suggest. Um, Okay, uh, a druid practice would be to, um, and this wouldn't be just druid practices, but this would be other, this might be, the Tao or um, Taoism, Buddhism along these practices too, but just holding space, you know, like I think one of the things that's been um, really, really in my face the last couple of months is how quickly information, you think of our parents' generation 20, 30 years ago, we got our news through the news at a set time. You couldn't choose to tune into a different channel, we had we had two channels. We had two channels growing up, Jenna, okay. 
so the news came on at a very specific time. There was no other channel that you could tune into it earlier at. It came at a specific time. You had to wait for it. And you had to wait for the newspaper. And those were your news channels. So then you think of the speeding up and how rapid things have gotten. I mean, I can effortlessly share a news article with you, with somebody from the UK, with somebody from India, with somebody from down in South America in the span of five seconds. I just hit click, click, click and send it and off it goes. Okay, so we have this massive um, <clears throat> amount of information that is available coupled with how quickly the information comes in. And then you think of how um, there's no adjustment or integration time in the midst of that. Okay, so something that has become, that I have had to consciously slow down, I've consciously slowed down and been choosing for myself when and how I receive news because my whole system was becoming overloaded and it's not about it being good or bad information. It's just any information needs time to assimilate and integrate into our system for us to come to an understanding of how we feel, how we think about that. How does that align with my integrity or my view on the world? Those kinds of things. So if we keep shoving the fucking thing full, it's like emotions. We keep shoving it full and not letting anything out. At some point, it's going to explode. This is true of our thoughts. This is true of our emotions. This is true of uh, of our just taking in of information. So a practice that I've found um, really beautiful lately is I have a timer set uh, three times a day. A person could set this, you know, once a day. It doesn't really matter. Three times is what I needed. Um, and I And I don't allow when a thought, this is my safe energetic space, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, everything gets shut off. And I just imagine like floating in the sunset, right in this moment, this is what's coming forward. I imagine was, I seen this beautiful sunset last night. Okay. So if I, if I bring that to mind and just imagine it and I just imagine like going right into the colors of that and just floating there. And when a thought tries to come up, cause it, it will, I'm like, no. And it gets like the hand <laughs> and shoved back out and I push my energetic like the the bubble around me out further and I bring in more of the sunset and I just sit and breathe in like the feelings, the sensations, right? The colors, the experience of being in the midst of that sunset and it, and it offers a calming to the whole nervous system. Okay, so that's one tip or tool that I would offer. Um, if we are... You know, if somebody is deep into their spiritual journey and finding nothing is really touching, uh, flower essences are absolutely the way you need to go. Um, there is a spiritual, just like with us, uh, so it is with plants, with trees, okay, with, with food. Um, they can be used as medicine or they can be used for pleasure, right? Food can be used for pleasure or it can be used as medicine. Uh, flower essences are really potent and can really support us to um, 
for instance, um, I'm being drawn to Elephant Ears. It's sitting on my desk at the moment. Um, Elephant Ears is uh, a perennial plant that I happen to love. Uh, it's beautiful. It has these beautiful pink shoots of pink flowers that come up. It loves the shade. It gets these big leaves on it. Okay, so if you were to take that spiritually, the, com the spiritual component of a plant to take drops of the energetic vibration or essence of that will then support your whole body to be shielded by this big umbrella of a leaf from an energy standpoint, right? So we can use things like flower essences or earth crystal essences to help um, shield us in that way. That would be another, oh, another tip. And then find yourself a sharing circle. Uh, and I mean, like, this is probably the most important thing right now. People are so polarized in their viewpoints right now that they won't listen to other people because they're afraid that somebody's going to try and convince them out of their viewpoint. Okay, so if you can find a sharing circle, and what I mean by that is, you know, it might be a... Um, it might be a therapist, it might be a coach, it might be a really trusted friend that you've done some spiritual growth with, with somebody who's not going to have an opinion on your, on your experience, your opinion you're sharing, who will just listen. This might be your spouse, it might be a friend, right? So that you can process through, oftentimes we... Um, I'm a verbal processor. I figure everything out through talking, which is partly why I love having you know, the podcast. I, lo I love the conversation. It helps. I, pro I process outside of myself. Some people process inside. I process outside. So if we can have a conversation and just be allowed space to speak, it helps process the information and integrate what we have taken in. So there's like this, we need to actually stop, put the fucking like, clamp down shut the shut the gate on the information and it's only once a day or maybe it's once a week that you're taking in information and then you shut the dam you dam it up and you allow yourself to just assimilate and integrate the information so and, and then process it through with somebody love it very interesting um from a massage therapist perspective um <laughs> I think that we can easily stimulate our nerve in a few different ways. And I didn't actually realize that I was doing it before I actually like sat down to educate myself on the vagus nerve. Cause I was trying to figure out why there was such a shift in my clients. They weren't even coming to me. Like I'd said earlier for those physical yeah. ailments that they used to, it was all like emotional and anxiety. Right. Um, and so I think that um, when I would leave, when I would leave a treatment, I would close the door to let that client get up and off the table and get dressed and whatever. And I would start humming and they didn't know what I was doing, but I knew it had a nice effect on my body and it became just a habit. I didn't even realize how often I was doing it. Mm -hmm. But if you hum or if you sing or even just gargle with water, that will stimulate your vagus nerve. Remember how we talked about how it does innervate into your throat. Yeah. You could try cold water flashing cold water on your face. Remember how we mm -hmm. talked about, you know, it goes behind your ears and everything else. That is a huge mm -hmm. wake up, snap you out of that moment, that anxiety, mm -hmm. those feelings. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's probably, those are probably my top ones that I recommend to people. Yeah. So you can even have a cool shower. Yeah. Not I have hot. to tell you, for, for anybody who has experience with a throat 
in the throat chakra of just like it feels hard or it feels like somebody's squeezing your neck, humming is powerful to loosen up and break up whatever energetically is going on within the throat chakra and to bring you back into a state of balance and maybe some partly stimulating the vagus nerve as well. God, I'm going to have to do some research on the vagus nerve, Jenna. Absolutely. It will fascinate you. Think of all the people that sit and meditate and they make those different tones. They all are affecting different chakras as well as our nervous system. Yes. I think that some people, if they have anxiety, they aren't quite at the point of wanting to help themselves or they don't, you know, they maybe they feel overwhelmed. I still think that massage or Reiki or energy work, physiotherapy, Cairo, I think all of that is very helping. I just think mm-hmm. that it is even better to help yourself in between those treatments. I Absolutely. think it's important to journal. Like mm. whether it's journal about emotions, journal about food, it could be positive mm. affirmations that you journal about. It doesn't mm. have to be dissecting mm. your day and dumping all of the crumminess on yeah. a piece of paper. It yeah. could be any form of journaling, writing down that can be yeah. creative and expressing yeah. yourself. Yeah. I think that, that know, also is something we should be doing right now. Yeah, you bring you bring up a really good point. And I think that's that, you know, in the past when time and space, when the world was moving so much slower, we didn't need as much self care. Mm-hmm. Um and now that you know, and maybe going to a massage therapist once a week or once a month was was sufficient and nourishing. But I think we're living in such a rapidly changing and rapidly dynamic environment and reality right now that what once was enough is grossly not enough anymore. And that there needs to be, like, it doesn't make sense for a person to go have an appointment every day. And so if that doesn't make sense, we then need to begin implementing these simple little practices in our day to nourish ourselves. I think of a client of mine, She, um, her life has gotten really busy over the last couple of months, and she just said, like, Frick, I feel like I'm barely treading water trying to keep up with everything. My life is great, but I feel like I'm slowly drowning. And she's like, I just don't have time for any other practices. And I said, and we just, we we dropped into that moment and, I, and began looking at her practices, okay? So her practices eight months ago during the real slowdown and the lockdown and all of that, well, she had all the freaking time in the world. She was working from home, right? And so she was running every day for a half, a, for an hour, I think, running. She's a runner. I'm not a runner. I would not be running, but she loves to run. So she was running. She was doing, you know, like a half hour set of yoga afterwards, freaking loving it. At noon, she'd do a little bit of meditation. Like she had everything in her day, right? And she was writing. So she comes to now and I said, well, what do your practices look like now? She's running two, maybe three times a week. She's no longer doing yoga. She's no longer meditating. She's no longer writing. She's no longer journaling before bed. I was like, holy shit, dude. Like that's, that's a lot of no longer. And she said, well, I just don't have time. And I said, well, but you've got this hour in the morning that you run in. And there was, there was like, whoa, a lot of resistance come up to <laughs> infringing on her runtime. But I said, listen, if your body needs nourishment and if these practices nourish you in, in completely different ways, then you cannot let go of them. What if? So what we came up with was she now runs for a half an hour. Then she does, she picks two or three yoga stretches to 
get into her body and get her body stretching and flexing and moving. And it's not, it's not about like, she was so worried about the strength training of it or the, you know, Oh, I did a 45 yoga session of it. Right. Letting go of that. And just like, so doing two or three yoga poses to, for the nourishment of her mind and her thoughts that happens in that. And then at lunch, where she had stopped going for a walk, she started going for her walk again. It was just a choice. Like it was just a choice in the way she spent Reorganized. her walk, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to fit all this other stuff in, not at all. She just needed to tweak and adjust things. Now she's back to writing. You know what? She's like, she had committed to five minutes a day. Now all of a sudden she's back up to a half an hour writing her book. Not a right? girl. Because she's starting to feel better and her being is starting to feel nourished. And, you know, I I think it's just like, well, I can't, you know, for me is like getting back into, um, I love to swim. I have, I have problems with one of my knees. And so there's a lot of things that I just, I used to love and I can no longer do. And that pissed me off for a long time. That pissed (laughs) me off, right? I love to lift weights. I can't do that. I, um, I, well, I've never loved running, let's be honest. So, so I wouldn't do that. But <laughs> Right? But, um, uh, you know, I, I love to swim. Swim is Swimming is nourishing for me on so many levels. Uh, but our pools are freaking closed down. And so I went through this period of being mad about the goddamn pools being closed down. And now I'm back at the place of, okay, now that I've had my moment of mad, now what am I going to choose to do to nourish myself, right? And so it's turning into different things. I love the feel of water. So bathing, which isn't a normal practice for me, that's coming back in. And, right, walking so that I can get in the movement and the nature and just finding ways to adjust it. I think the other one that is massive is um, breath work. We we do not breathe deep. We do not breathe with intention, we breathe for purpose, for function, but that is it. I remember reading, I don't remember where it was, and it was estimated that we breathe between 10 to 16 times a minute. And what mm-hmm. is optimal for your nervous system, your health, your organs, and to stay out of that stressed, high cortisol levels of a sympathetic um nervous system um, and flipping over to your rest and digest your parasympathetic mode of the nervous system, you're Mm -hmm. supposed to breathe between four to six times a minute. That is Mm -hmm. a huge difference. Yeah. So I think that the key is holding your inhale and holding your exhale. Having that time in between the inhale and the exhale is what's going to help nourish your body on every single level and help with anxiety and bring you more present more mindful more aware yeah slowing down deepening the breath requires requires us to be consciously in the breath you cannot breathe deeply if you are not in the breath you actually have to concentrate on it in order to take those deep breaths in order to fill the belly up through the chest and into the shoulders yeah Absolutely. Not just those accessory muscles of the short little deep breath. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. I love it. If we were to sum today up for me, Jenna, if we were to leave one thing with people, what is it that you feel is really important for people out of this conversation about anxiety today? 
Um, I would say awareness. Anxiety is your body's asking, is asking you to be aware, to pay attention. Mm. Mm. I think that on a very, um, perhaps an optimistic point of view of everything that we are going through right now, we are giving it, given a beautiful time to like reset, to breathe, to mm. de-stuff, prioritize, to reorganize. I think that there has never been a better time than to just pay attention to every aspect of your life. And as we continue to have some awareness, which may be presenting as anxiety, it's just your body's way of asking, hey, can you just listen for a minute? It's a little out of balance. And I think to know that you're not alone. I think to know that you there's help out there, there's people that can help you or talk to you, mm-hmm. and to know that there's treatment out there and things that you can do. Like, you got this. Yeah. You are way more than you ever, ever believed that you were. Mm. But I do think that anxiety is a lot of our energetic body talking to us. Yeah, love it. Thank you. I feel like this is going to be so clarifying for people. Jenna, will you, if people would um, like to, I'm thinking specifically of people out in your area, how how do people connect with you? Where is it that you work out of? Will you share that with people? Sure. Um, I live in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, um, and I work out of a place, um, I'm very lucky to work out of a place called LEAD integrated health therapies so it's lead pilates and integrated health therapies and so it's a really neat idea to have all of the therapies of physio and chiro and massage body talk reflexology all of it is under one roof Mm -hmm. it's right in saskatoon in the sutherland area they are on instagram they are on facebook um that you would be able to find us there. We have tons and tons of different therapists and modalities, but that's where you would find me. Um, I'm on Facebook as well, Jenna Grant RMT, and uh, Instagram under the same Jenna Grant RMT. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. I loved it. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. Thanks for joining me here in the sphere today. If you liked what you heard, I encourage you to give the podcast a like on Spotify or wherever you are listening. And I really want to thank you for just choosing even one person to share this podcast with. If it touched you, please share it with others. This is the way that the word gets out and that people find this podcast. Enjoy your day. Thank you so much. I look forward to joining you next time right here in the sphere.